Hi, I'm Adrian Albert, CEO of the Marketing Directors, and you're listening to Real Direct. In this series, we'll be speaking to the great minds of real estate and focusing on the future of residential real estate. Joining me now is Adam Altman, an entrepreneur and real estate investor with experience in identifying, buying, and selling real estate. As a founder and managing member of Kaber, he's instrumental in fundraising, structuring JV partnerships, sourcing, and acquiring real property and debt. To date, Adam has participated in transactions totaling approximately 6 million square feet of commercial property, as well as thousands of residential units, hotels, and new development land with over 6,000 units of entitlements. Adam, welcome to Real Direct. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Adrian. It's a pleasure to be here, and thank you for the wonderful introduction. You say great real estate mind, so I'm sure you're talking about other people who've been here, but I appreciate the kind words. No, it's the truth. You wouldn't be here if I didn't think that you were one of the great minds of residential real estate. So let me ask you some questions and have a discussion with you. Sure. What's your favorite part of the real estate development process? My favorite part of the process is creating something, getting to feel like you're building something from scratch. And I'm not just talking about building the building. Building the building certainly is a piece of it and the piece that is most obvious to the observer from the outside. But the process, the building process, putting the teams together, being creative, starting from a piece of dirt effectively to then envisioning what that would look like in five, six, seven years down the road, and then beginning that journey. So that creative journey is, is the most exciting part for me. I totally understand that. What is your most challenging obstacle when you're going through that process? So nothing happens in a vacuum and nothing is done by any one individual. All of these projects are really the result of a phenomenal team that enables them to come to fruition. And the putting together of those teams and the managing of the different personalities of the members on the team and having the right respect, deference, understanding of all those different parts of the process is the most challenging part of getting to that finish line where you have that development that's completed. It's also the most rewarding part because it's not easy to get to that finish line. No development happens quickly. If a development happens fast, people talk about 24 months, 30 months to build something. That's probably true. So 30 months, that's probably a reasonable estimate, about two and a half years. But from the time that you identify the property, close on the property, get your financing together, go into the ground, then you build it, then you have to stabilize it. I would actually say that if you do everything just right, you're lucky if it takes 60 months, which is five years. That's kind of a real time frame. unless you're buying something that's fully provisioned and it's ready to go shovel in the ground the day you buy it. And the cap stack might already have been there as part of the legacy combination that you're looking at. Otherwise, it's really a five-year process if it works really well. And I don't think people always appreciate that timeline. So that means if five years works well, that means it could be seven years if it's a little slower. You have to have a lot of patience, emotional and mental fortitude to walk that long road. 
and get to that finish line. It's funny that you should use five years or 60 months because we used to say to the designers who were doing models for us that we're selling a 60 month dream to the consumer. So push your horizon ahead five years. So it's interesting. We came up with the same 60 months in that. No, that's exactly right. And it's very wise because you advise brilliant minds of real estate all the time. And we come to you and ask you advice. Like, what do you think this should be? Not now, but when we deliver it in the future, because what's trendy now or what's in right now might not be what the consumer wants. And you have to kind of peer behind that curtain and really forward think about what the market will want. And and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong. But when we come and seek the advice of a firm like yours, what we're really trying to figure out is what will the consumer want in five years from now? Exactly. Exactly. What is your most challenging obstacle in real estate development? Well, it depends where in the market cycle you are. So to give a form answer would probably be inaccurate. So right now, I would say a very challenging obstacle would be putting together a cap stack, meaning putting together the financing around a project. That same question a couple of years ago, that wasn't the biggest obstacle. Money was inexpensive. Interest rates were really low. There, it was readily available. Maybe the biggest obstacle, if you're in a certain municipality or city, if you're in New York, it's the expiration of the 421A or other programs that enabled the ability to create certain types of rental housing. So different moments in time present different obstacles, different geographies present different obstacles. And I think part of being a successful developer is the ability to assess what those obstacles are and to handicap if you could properly address them in the moment in time that you're living. Okay. You know, my next question is going to be, what should we look out for in the future? What obstacles are coming at us? The obstacle that everyone is contending with right now is the parabolic increase in the cost of capital interest rates. Interest rates have gone up really far, really fast. And even though everyone knew that they couldn't remain as low for as long as they have, the market didn't anticipate just how fast they would increase and how that would impact and ripple through the industry. I would say that going forward for the next 12 months looks like a pretty big obstacle. I also believe that a lot of the product, and by product, I mean assets or real assets, real estate assets that are going to be coming to market because they, the cost of keeping them, the cost of financing them has forced the owners to give the keys back. You know, we we see a lot of very well-known, very well-regarded office owners have been handing back the keys on buildings because, you know, people talk about work from home. It's not so much the work from home. It's the fact that the cost of capital and the cost to mean to keep those buildings has gone up so much that it doesn't make sense anymore. Because if a building is leased and you have a tenant paying that lease, it doesn't matter if the workers come in or not. As long as the mortgage is getting paid, what happens is if the mortgage has gone from X to three X, that's what creates the stress and ultimately the distress. So when that wave of maturities or the inability to service that debt comes washing over the marketplace, that is going to create its own set of circumstances and how that ultimately breaks. And those are going to be big headwinds. And I also think when you look at certain cities, 
and the politics of those cities. And San Francisco has kind of been the, the poster child for that. When you have crime that's running rampant and you have these different factors, it really takes its toll on the real estate of the city and on the residents of the city. And how does that impact people's willingness to live in those places, work in those places, dine in those places? So I, those are some of the headwinds that I see continuing to impact us. Where do you think the industry of residential real estate is going as a whole? Do you have any predictions for 2024? Well, residential real estate as an industry is strong and will remain strong. People need a place to live. People want a place to live. People want a nice home. And as long as there are people building and providing that, residential real estate will remain an unbelievably robust and important part of our economy and probably one of the safest easiest to understand real estate assets, right? Everyone wants a roof over their head and everyone needs one and everyone deserves one. In 2024, I believe you'll see residential real estate will remain healthy so long as it's not over levered. Industrial real estate logistics will remain healthy so long as it's not over levered. Retail has proven to be more resilient than I think the market had anticipated and what we saw from both COVID and now post-COVID, is that even with delivery services, even with the internet, there still is a real need for neighborhood shopping and people still want to go to a grocery store, maybe not for all the stuff, but for some of the stuff. And those grocery stores are actually serving as little logistic hubs for the delivery into to those rooftops. I think retail will, in, through 2024 will show its resiliency. Office has real issues that are bigger than just a, a cycle. How people work has changed. But more than that, a lot of the office product has become somewhat obsolete. So I was just in beautiful, beautiful offices yesterday over in Hudson Yards. They were magnificent. People are going to want to be in buildings like that. If they're going to be in the office, they're going to want to be in a beautiful office. They'd sooner take less space in a nicer place than more space in an outdated place. And the cost to create that level doesn't even make sense at some of the older buildings. They're not structurally geared to handle it. And the notion that they're going to convert to residential, I would say something like 10% of the office stock that doesn't want to be office anymore is even eligible to become residential. And then you have to look at the actual cost of converting it. So that's not going to be the cure or the panacea for too many office buildings. There will be office buildings. People will go to the office. It is important to work together. That space will just have to right-size itself over time. I agree. I, I think one of the problems that many people converting office to residential face is the depth of the office building is far greater than the depth of a residential building. So you have not enough perimeter Correct. to service all of the square footage. So it's a real challenge. Correct. That's so accurate. I agree with you on that one. Here's a question that we don't have to tell your children. Okay. okay. What do you want your legacy to be? I feel like I'm, I have a lot more to accomplish before I start thinking about a legacy. In my head, I feel like I, there's still so much more to do. And there's so many people that I look up to and that I've learned so much from that I don't even think I'm ready to begin thinking about a legacy yet. You know, there's so many 
people who've done so much more than me that I think I have a lot of work to do before I start considering a question like that. All right. I'll ask you in a few years. Okay. To what do you attribute your success? Certainly, my wife has always been very supportive of me trying new things and being willing to take risk. You know, and this is a business that where there is risk and you have to be willing to take risk. And so knowing that she was working and running a business enabled me early on when neither of us were making a lot of money, but enabled me to go and take risk. And that was really important. I have a passion for real estate for, I love walking on roofs and I like walking in boiler rooms and I like walking around neighborhoods. And I think if you're passionate about something and you enjoy doing it, it makes it a lot easier to have success in that space. You're going to find a way to make it work. I understand totally. Do you have any role models in the industry? Everything I've done has been about looking at people who have accomplished more than I have and, and watching them and how they did it. So my partner, Kenny, has been a great role model and friend to me. Charlie has been a great friend and role model to me. You know, I have a lot of people who I who have been really kind with their time and their bandwidth and their willingness to maybe suffer or tolerate some of my, you know, ideas and thoughts because I have a lot of them and, you know, and not all of them are good. And those people who are willing to listen and, and walk the road with you. So I have a lot of role models in the industry, sure. That's great. Do you have a quote that you live by? Quotes are fun. You know, you can look them up on the line. Online, they're always like, it's just so many that you feel like, wow, that really captures the moment. I would say you can't buy a good reputation. I love it. And treat other people the way you want to be treated. 100%. I agree with both of those. So you're currently in the process on many different sites. What is your vision for your next site? We have a few that we're working on simultaneously. I guess if I just wanted to isolate one, it would be 95 Challenger Road in Ridgefield Park, New Jersey, where we're going to build 215 resi rental units. It's next to a park. It's on the water. I think it will create an unbelievable lifestyle, general lifestyle amenity for the resident there. And they will be able to access all of those things that are just, that are beyond just the things that I can deliver in the building, which are really important. And I hope to deliver them par excellence, but the ability to have nature around you and to be near the city and in Bergen County and in Richfield Park, all of those things combining together, I think will create a terrific outcome. Those are kind of timeless values that people search for from what I've watched over the years. And I suspect that those values will continue into the future. Yeah, I think so too. I think that, I think if, you know, you asked a question earlier about looking towards the future, I think nature and the ability to integrate natural settings, freedom of movement and space and personal space into the residential concept will be supremely important. You know, just back to your comment on capital markets, with the capital markets currently in flux, labor and material costs have been elevated. Interest rates are at a 20-year high. Regulatory fees are growing, and we're in kind of a very unstable situation right now. A lot of projects have been paused and put on hold or are uncertain if they're even going to move forward, period. How are you navigating this surprisingly difficult environment? Your comments and your, your thoughts are exactly right. And in some circumstances, we are pausing. We are, as you suggested, rates have more than doubled 
costs are up 30 to 40%. So the notion that something can still pencil is, is a challenging one. And in those circumstances where, and if it can't, then we'll, we will wait because the biggest mistake is to enter a project that you don't feel will have the right outcome. You're better off waiting, pausing. It's hard to get too badly hurt if you're falling out of the first floor window. If you're falling out the 14th floor window, it's a lot easier to hurt yourself. By not doing anything, you know, that could reduce returns. It could create other issues that you need to contend with. But when you start taking down massive amounts of capital to build something that you're not really confident that you're going to deliver to the right yield on cost, to the right financial outcome, that is a mistake. So I, I'd rather, and, you know, my partner Ken has always said the same thing, that we'd rather make an error of omission as opposed to an error of commission, meaning maybe we miss out on the opportunity, but we don't want to, but we'd rather miss out on an opportunity than make a big error within an opportunity that we've misjudged. Right. Rather than get buried. Yeah. Yes. I think that's very wise. Many cities, many major cities anyway, have experienced mass departures from the downtown core of those cities during the pandemic. Remote working and more affordable housing elsewhere have all contributed to this outward migration. How do you think people that moved away might be drawn back to the city? I think that the death of the city has been greatly exaggerated. It sounds about like Mark Twain, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly right. Greatly exaggerated. You, you know, it was probably never as, as great as everyone was thinking, and it's never as bad as everyone is thinking. It's still New York. I still love coming here if we're talking about New York. I think that Eric Adams is working hard and trying to do a good job. And I think he cares about the outcome. And New York City is one of the great cities of the world. To quote Frank Sinatra, if you can make it here, you can make it anywhere. And I think that's still part of the wonderful zeitgeist of New York. And I think young people still have a desire to come here and to see and hang out and be in the uh, energy of places like the East Village and around St. Mark's Place. And I don't think that's going anywhere. But we do need to be conscious of making very politically thoughtful decisions that support the real estate industry, that reduce crime, that properly address homelessness and immigration. A lot of that is mental health related, right? So programs that are properly addressing, you know, not just finding a place to, you know, shove people, but actually addressing the root cause of what's creating the issue. Those are bigger systemic questions. And I think that that, that happens in Albany. And, I, and right now, what I've seen is that a lot of of the political voices out of Albany are more concerned with kind of populist political stances than actually trying to address the issues that are impacting the individuals and industries. So as a real estate developer, it's been frustrating to watch that unfold in Albany. I think that has hurt New York. I agree with you. When appealing to the values of each different demographic group, and their aspirations, we constantly must reset how we define luxury. How do you incorporate the fluctuating definition of luxury? 
luxury is a really it's a moving target tough concept <laughs> it's really tough because there's different there's different levels of luxury that's that's the reality and there's and everyone has you know what might be luxurious to them i need to as a developer and a de- need to understand the community you're trying to deliver that luxury into so that what that community feels will be luxurious i think is the, really the most important consideration that's a socioeconomic consideration that's a geographical consideration that's a tough question to answer without i guess a specific example but certainly the sheets should be clean yeah for and sure and the bed comfortable well, i'm not going to ask <laughs> i'm not going to ask you the easy questions yeah no absolutely not <laughs> Amenities, amenities, amenities. We've just come out of an amenities war, building to building, in many of the markets, many of the markets in which you operate. But we all know that amenities play a major role in outpacing the competition and adding value to your property. So we're seeing all kinds of things like ice skating rinks, on-site zip cars, communal chefs' kitchens, full active spas, Makerspace, pickleball, pet spas, and ever-expanding concierge services, just to name a few. So as much as we wish every amenity could be included in every project, we know it can't, and we're aware of it. So my question to you is, how do you determine which amenities to include and which to leave out? Which ones have value for your market five years down the road and which ones don't? Well, that one's pretty easy because I just ask you. (laughs) <laughs> that's how I that's how I deal with that question. Uh, I, I call you up and say, Adrian, what do we really need to have in here, or what do we not need to have in here? You, asking people smarter than me is the best way to get the right answer. Well, that's very kind of you. Okay. Well, Adam, I want to thank you. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for thank today. You. But thank you so much for taking the time to join me. This has been an absolute pleasure. To learn more about Adam Altman, please visit Caber Group. I'm Adrian Albert. Thank you for listening to Real Direct, elevating residential real estate.